the Better People Podcast. I'm Margaret Urich, and in today's episode, we're talking to Abby Hamilton, Chief People Officer at Live Intent, Inc. So Abby, I'd love to get started, and I'd love to do so by um, asking you to share the wonderful background that you have in both HR and talent acquisition um, with our listeners. So, and I know you have a a very vast background. Um, What do you think would be most important for our listeners to hear today? Yeah, I mean, I am in the the people side right now. I support all of HR from talent acquisition, learning and development, people operations, HR business partner, et cetera. However, I started my career in recruiting and in talent acquisition and um, really gave me a great foundation of understanding what is important for people when joining an organization and what really mattered. And also giving some key foundations in negotiation skills, right? Which are really necessary for a recruiter in understanding those pieces. And then naturally started to evolve over time and add in some of those conversations, getting involved in maybe there was a performance-based situation or somebody was getting promoted and we needed to start thinking about what that succession planning setup Mm -hmm. looked like. And so it really evolved naturally and organically for me. And I've been very privileged to work at organizations that allowed me to make those shifts and changes and not make me just stick in my lane, right? Sometimes you'll see if you're the talent acquisition person, you're just a talent acquisition person. So I was able to dabble in other things and really learn what I enjoyed and continue down that path of of growth and take on more and more to eventually lead me to this role of chief people officer. So as the chief people officer, what would you say are your primary responsibilities? Yeah, so primary responsibilities now are really focused on the day-to-day engagement of our workforce. So that's when things are going well and when things aren't going so well. How are we having those true and honest conversations with individuals to really help them see where they are, especially in a world where we are remote first at this point in time. So we're not all together all the time, which means those interactions you have with each other have to be more intentional, have to be more thought out, and even more honest than maybe we experienced in the past when we were together five days a week. So I'm really focused on that. And then of course, how we do bring in the the best talent for the open roles we have at the time. And then also somebody's learning experience in the whole way through till they exit the organization. I don't want to pretend that most of our employees are going to retire from live intent. That's just not the way (laughs) things are anymore. But I do want them to look back fondly on their time at the company and say, I learned something. I grew, grew as an individual, or that was really beneficial for my career in some way. Oh, that's awesome. So Abby, when we were talking before we started the show, I, uh, we were talking about a lot of things and we'll get to, to, we'll get to it throughout this program. But um, I, you know, I asked you how large your organization was and you shared that you're about 270 people. So not thinking you would actually know this individual. I said, Hey, my daughter has a friend who I think works there. You knew who exactly it was. Um, So tell me how, and you talked about this, right? Being remote first and really being intentional. What does that look like for you? How do you make sure that you do know all of your employees? Yeah, for me, it's about being present in the interactions I am in, right? And making sure that one, I'm visible, but two, I'm accessible. My calendar is open for any individual that wants to connect or speak. 
But I'm also very present when it comes to our employee support groups. So we have an, an ERG framework, an employee resource group framework, and we have six communities in which we support. And for a company of our size, that's a lot, but they they matter. And we want to give our people a voice and allow them to connect in different ways. And so one of the individuals you were talking about, I've gotten to know her through some of her work in the ERGs, specifically in our women's focused group, which I participate in as an executive sponsor as well. So come to help them plan and really make sure that we're getting the most out of that value because I've been in multiple situations where I'm the only woman in the room. And so I have a lot of passion on around how do we support each other and amplify each other's voices? Because while I've been the only, a lot of times it doesn't mean there's room for just one. And so how are we getting to, to know each other and recognize each other as people, not just as bullets on a job description? So yeah, you, you definitely have to be intentional, but part of it is I try to show up to the meetings I'm in and it's enticing to multitask, but can <laughs> I put some of that on the back burner to really be engaged with the people that I'm in the virtual room with. Interesting. So six employee resource groups for about 270 employees. Yeah. How many people do you have that, or I would, let me re-ask this, about how many of your employees participate in one or more of your resource groups, do you think? Yeah, so some of our um, groups are smaller than others based on the individuals that identify. So some of them may be small as 10, and then we have others that have 40 to 60 active participants in it, depending, again, on who identifies in the community. And they can bring allies with them, and we do recommend that as well. However, we've set up these groups not to educate other people, but to support the individuals that identify in those communities because we recognize that they may have like experiences and things that they want to share or talk about or have feelings about that are really important. And so I do see some organizations set up ERGs to bring along allies and to educate. We've taken the opposite approach of make it about the individuals identifying the communities. And then if you'd like to bring open, open sessions for allies and to educate, you're able to do that. And of course, with the support of my team and the culture team to, to do those things versus carrying that burden on your shoulders. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Would you mind sharing the, what um, ERGs you have? Yeah. So we've got six active communities, as I've shared with you. So we have the Asian Alliance, which we call all. We've got Black Intent. We've got Juntos. We've got Women with Intent. We've got Parents of Live Intent. And we've Pride Intent. Oh, wow. So um, that's amazing. And have they been around for a while or are these recently formed? Yeah, actually an excellent question. So we had started our ERG framework and some of our more focused groups and communities prior to the pandemic. So with the, the death of George Floyd, this wasn't a knee-jerk reaction to say, oh my gosh, we need to create some kind of place and space for employees to talk about this. Instead, it just amplified those conversations and got even and so with us, I think this has been a really great thing throughout 
2020, 2021, 2022, and now 2023 to have a space for this, especially our parents group already existed. So at the beginning of COVID, when all of a sudden you had these parents at home with kids and remote learning and trying to balance work and no childcare, there was a community that we were able to come together and say, this is what I'm doing. This is what worked for me. But more importantly, you are not alone. And this is really hard. Yeah, that was so hard on the working parents for sure. And I know this is a huge passion of yours to support really all of your employees, but I know that the working parent um, is one area that you're really passionate about. So what else does that look like for you? How do you make sure that live intent takes care of your employees who are working parents? Yeah, it's important for me because I am a working mom specifically, and I I've learned and grown so much throughout this experience, especially with going into the pandemic, I realized how much I was hiding of myself and how much I was creating shame about being a working mom, that I was hiding some of that part of myself because I didn't want people to judge me. I didn't want people to put that stereotype of, well, she's not going to work hard or she's not going to be as dedicated, or she has to leave because she has to go take care of her kids. It's true. I am going to put my family first. However, that doesn't make me less than. I'm still great at what I do, and I can still be dedicated. If anything else, I have to be even more dedicated in the hours that I have at work because I have a job before work and I have a job after work. And that is my family. And that is my children and my young children. And with the onset of the pandemic, I couldn't hide that anymore, right? I couldn't put on my face and go to work and not really talk about my kids and then come home and do my other job. My kids were at home with me. They were interrupting calls. They were interrupting conversations. And I had my own BBC dad moment where... I was doing a town hall. So I was speaking in front of the entire company and my son was four at the time, my older son. And he didn't care that I was talking about something, something from me in that exact moment. And all that mattered was I need your attention. He interrupted the middle of it and everybody saw the entire (laughs) company saw, and I was mortified absolutely mortified. This is a part I'd felt I needed to hide. I didn't want to talk about openly. And I was afraid people really judged that moment. And then I got such an outpouring of love and support of how cute that was and how great it was. It was the best part of the meeting. And it was funny. And it was just a pivotal moment for me where I was like, okay, I can actually create change here. Do other moms need to feel the way that I felt or parents? It doesn't matter if you're a mother, a father, non-binary, whatever it might be, to really embrace these moments and say, it's okay. And if I can do it, maybe that influences someone else to say, it's okay to invite your kids into a call. Because I quickly found if I invited them in, I let them say hello, they got bored really quickly and they just wanted to leave. All they wanted was a moment of my attention, the same way as the other person on the line did. And I would find it would break up some of the conversation and it made me more human in all of this. And so 
I, I did really lean into that. And I became so much more passionate about it because I realized that by modeling the behaviors that I wanted other people to do and to know it was okay, I never minded if somebody else's kid came in or interrupted or they needed to put me on pause for 30 seconds to deal with something or even reschedule if they needed to. But if I did that myself, it was so powerful. And so I really leaned into that and into these conversations about work and life have meshed. And this is the reality of what it is right now. And there's no need to hide behind that anymore and really be myself. And I think that took me from Abby from HR to Abby that's also a full person outside of the role and what she does during the day. And so by able by you being able to do that, you feel this has helped everyone else in the organization understand that it's really okay that yeah. you do bring your whole self to work. That's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes that's messy. Sometimes me is messy. I think sometimes it's messy for all of us. I don't think that's just you, right? We all have those messy days. And I do think we have to really give ourselves grace. I mean, that's what I was hearing when you were talking about it. And um, really, you know, uh, listening to you talk, I was hearing the words of Brene Brown in my ears, right? And um, all that she talks about. And I, I do, I think we have to to give ourselves that grace and and it's all okay, you know? Yeah. And yeah. And we do and like I to see. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. <laughs> That's a good thing. And you're right. We, um, it really does help you feel better, but I know we, in our office, we love it when the employees cats walk across the screen or when we hear the child crying in the background. I mean, I personally am like, Whoa, thank God I'm done, done those days. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I think that's great that for you personally, as a professional that you feel better about it, but that you're able to now also just impact all of your employees with that as well. So that's great. So one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about uh, when we were talking prior to the show, you shared that you have, I believe if I do the my counting correctly, um, nine employees on your team, yeah, correct? Yeah, I do. I do. Which is amazing uh, to have a team of that size based on the number of employees that you have. Yeah. And you shared it wasn't always that way. So tell me not. how this all evolved for you. Yeah. So when I joined the organization, there were, there were two of us, or I mean, there were two people in me. So there were three of us total for quite a while. Right. And it was building up the foundational work. I had one person that was focused on recruiting, which was doing a lot of basically collecting resumes from agencies and doing the best she could mm -hmm. to manage applications. And one person that was focused on the cultural aspect of the organization, which a lot of it at the time was was beer and pizza, right? And focusing on those things that were important in tech, ping pong tables and all of that, which are important, but that's not the whole story. That's not why people stay. And so we really spent that first year together building the foundation, putting in an HRES, talking about how you have performance-based conversations, looking at compensation and making talking about money less taboo, right? Mm -hmm. You need to be able to talk about what you get paid and how you get paid more in the, the future. Right. How do you get to that next level? What does career progression look like? Right. And so as we built that, I focused first on really building out the recruiting arm and foundation because I believed that our team could tell the story from inside so much better than continuously outsourcing all of that story. How do you, you know that story if you live it. 
And recruiting was my first love and first passion. So very easy place for me to start and set up that team. That team is now three individuals today. So going from a one-person solo show to now they're focused on recruiting and bringing in talent and internal mobility. So we talk about not just opportunities to join the organization, but as you join the organization, how do we look at, at roles that may be better suited for you, even if it's on another team? Because I truly believe if you don't give individuals those opportunities within an organization, they're just going to go find it somewhere else. So why don't we foster some of those conversations and keep the people that are really great? Then I set up the HR ops side to make sure we had business partner conversations. We were really focusing on culture, like the ERG framework, which is a collective executive effort because you've got to have full buy-in from the top down. That cannot be an HR initiative. And I also firmly believe that you have to have multiple stakeholders involved in that conversation. But then also talking about performance, and you need to have individuals that support managers with that, especially when you promote from within. We do that quite often. We give people opportunity, but it's very hard to go from an individual contributor into a leadership role overnight without some kind of support and foundation. They're very different jobs. Absolutely. Focusing on making people stronger and better there and having conversations when things are going well, but also what does a conversation sound like when things aren't going well? How do we be direct? How do you have true, compassionate conversations about somebody's performance? Because I don't think most people wake up in the morning saying, you know what? I want to go do a terrible job at work today right? They probably feel it if things aren't going well. So let's just talk about the elephant in the room and let's allow them to to try to be successful and give them the support they need or help them go find somewhere else that's a better fit for them. That is an okay outcome as well. Leaving the company to find something that's better for you is an okay outcome. And then the final pillar we built was learning and development. Because you do need to focus on your onboarding program to get people up and running faster. There is a direct return to business and investment when you can get your people up and running once they're in the organization. But also support their ongoing development, especially as our industry. So we're in ad tech. It's moving really quickly. The company is releasing new products. You have to have support structures for that. And so when people hear learning and development, it is not just soft skills training, though there's a very important aspect to that, but there are hard skills that people need to continue learning in the business as well. And both are important in building up your workforce. And so now we have a team of two that supports that in the organization as as well. So a lot has gone into it today. It, the company is not quadrupled in size since I I joined, but the belief that these people programs matter and bring a true return for our individuals. And that wasn't easy. That is something we had to do over time. And we had to show that and we had to prove that value. And I do feel very grateful that I sit as part of an executive team and a leadership team that's been willing to go on that journey with me, even though none of this has been easy. Well, and I think what I, what I want to share with everyone is that, well, you've done a really great job of sharing the journey that you took. Um, what you did highlight was that this journey has been over you know, a period of only five years. Five years. So yes, it was a process for you. Um, and it sounds like maybe it took a while. It, it really did. I mean, five years is, is nothing when you think about everything that you accomplished, 
Um, so, so kudos to you for that and to your leadership team for really acknowledging how important these, these um, initiatives are. So where have you seen the benefit of doing this? How is this showing up for your organization? Yeah. yeah, everywhere, but some real tangible takeaways is you can look at our retention stats. So if you look prior to me joining, also even the first year as we're building some of these programs, and then after that, we took our turnover numbers and we slashed them in half, right? Wow. So what better way to show that there's a return on this investment than look at your turnover and people that are exiting the organization. But most importantly, the people that are exiting the, not exiting the organization that you don't want to leave. So there, there is some planned attrition, right? You do want to help people move on when they, they need to move on, but are you continuously losing top performers or are you creating initiatives and programs to invest in that? So not only was that great for our executive leadership team to see, but the board loves that kind of sure. uh, metric and return there too. And then we're also invested in our engagement surveys and giving people a confidential space to share what they're thinking. And we do that. We do a small one and a larger, more intense one each year. We're in the middle of our, our large, more intense one right now. So seeing what people think, see what they say. We have a baseline set of questions that have not changed over the five years, but we also have other questions that do change based on what's important in the business and what's important in the world right now to really give them a space. Because the reality is, is I can only see our world from my seat. I don't understand everyone else's perspective. I need to really make sure that we are creating an effort and creating space in order to do that. But also for people to be honest, they need to see some change or or believe that they've been heard, even if you can't change things overnight, that they are heard in these forums. And so these are really honest. I mean, I'll admit some of it's painful to read, but yeah. looking at that is really what helps us say, okay, let me look in the mirror here and say, we can still do better because we're still far from perfect. We're never going to be perfect. But what are the things we can do that create the most impact right now for the people that work at our company? Yeah. So you do a large one and a small one. What's the purpose of the small one? Yeah, Just to continue to get little pulses of okay. where things are. Because in this world right now, a year feels like a really long time. Yeah. And so... Six months, though, six months to understand where we are in certain things, that's much easier to digest. And then mm -hmm. we can get micro pulses. So that might be focused on something like a return to the office, right? Gotcha. We've decided to not do that. But that survey heavily influenced what our remote hybrid return to office strategy was going my perspective of Abby Hamilton in Jersey City, but I don't understand everybody else's perspective and what this would mean to them if we did require more in-office interactions. And so that heavily influenced our strategy by doing that small pulse, really heavily focused, yes, on some of the other engagement aspects, but that's one, one thing we did do is say, what does return to office look like for you and what would that do to your day to day? Wow. All right. So you have done so much at Live Intent in your short five years there. What are you most proud of? I am most proud of the team that I'm a part of and created 
When I look around the room at the the people team, I am so proud to get to work alongside them, right? When you say my success over the last five years, I know that's not true. This isn't me. This is every one of them. It is each of us waking up each day and trying to do the best we can with what we have and what we believe is the right thing in that moment. And I don't want to make it sound like this has been smooth sailing and we've gotten all this right. We haven't. We haven't at all. But I do believe that each person has such a good heart and a good foundation, wants to do the best and is willing to really roll up their sleeves and get their hands dirty. There's no one on my team that's going to say that's not my job if that's the most important thing to do on that day. And so when I think about what I'm most proud of, it's the collective group of individuals that I get to work alongside of and support them in what they're doing each and every day. That's great. So that leads me to my next question. And that is what's next for you and this amazing team that you have? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I have no idea. If you would have (laughs) asked me a year ago where we would have been, it would not have been here. Right. And so I think part of it is continuing to embrace the unexpected. Right. And when I say a year ago, I wouldn't have said here a year ago, we were still in the midst of the great resignation, the war for talent. We were struggling to, to mm-hmm. hire people with more open roles than we needed than we could fill. Right. And we were starting to start to feel the, the pinch in the economy and start to pull back a little bit. But now this year, we're very selective with our openings. Right. Things are very, very different. So what's going to happen in this next 12 months? I have no idea, but I know I've got people alongside me that were willing to jump in and do what we need to do to support whatever comes up next. We wouldn't have expected the the fall of SVB a couple of weeks ago. We wouldn't have expected so many things on this. And so I have no idea, but I know we're prepared for whatever the world brings to us next. But if I could put out in the universe that some of these adversities could slow down a little bit and we can focus on more fun, I'd love to do that too. So let's put that out there. Uh, Happy to put that out there with you. I think we (laughs) all could use um, some stability because you're right. Things are constantly changing and so quickly and in ways that we we really can't anticipate, right? I think we all know that some change is going to come about and it's seems to at one point be something that you could count on and sort of predict and sort of see it coming. And that's just not the case any longer. So it really is being able to respond to that and uh, manage through it. So that's, um, that's great that you have a team around you that's going to help you and your organization do that. So Abby, the last question I wanted to ask you, and it's something I like to ask everybody, and that is throughout your career, I guess when you look back on your career and all the different roles that you've had and all just everything that's made you, you, where you are today, what is something that you've changed your mind about? Gosh, I grew up in rural Pennsylvania, right? Uh, Venango County, basically Ohio. 16-year-old me would have never, never thought of an adult version of myself that would have been an executive base in New York City. So I would say everything about what I thought I was going to be would change. I knew I wanted to do something. I knew I wanted to work hard. I knew I wanted to 
bring an even better life for whatever my future family situation would be than I, I grew up in. I, but I didn't know what it was going to be. And so I think that actually brought a, a lot of really great things because I didn't know what the possibilities were for myself. I just went for it. And I really leaned in and I found people along the way that were allies and advocates and believed in me and invested in my career alongside me. So I would say my mentors too also helped me a lot along the way. So to answer that, I, I didn't know what was possible. So what has changed or what is different is literally everything from what I thought the possibilities were for me as a, a young girl. And I'm really glad and I'm grateful and thankful and privileged to look back and say, I've come a really long way. That's amazing. And you have. So Abby, thank you so much for being on our podcast today, for sharing your energy and your spirit. And I have to say the positivity just oozes out of you. I, I hear it in everything that you're talking about. So I, I love that you ended on that note. Um, so again, thank you for being with us and sharing your, um, your thoughts with our listeners. Thank you so much. This was a privilege and amazing to spend time with you today. I feel the same way. Thank you. Hi, I'm Holly, and I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode. The Better People podcast is brought to you by MEA. At the Mid-Atlantic Employers Association, we help organizations and their people grow through HR-driven business solutions. Find out more at meainfo.org or in the show notes.